Geek Shock. Geek Shock. When you feel like something's tickling your nose and you really, really, really want to sneeze, don't hold it back. That's the way it goes. When you really, really, really want to sneeze, I don't know about that one. Google the eyed specialty shirt. Yeah. You, you, washing it would not be easy. Maybe you put them on with Velcro. You could take them off for the wash and then you put them back on afterwards. I think for his shirt, there should be like somewhere there should be a cup holder. For Andy's shirt? Cup holder, a few stains, <laughs> a rip. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what, would be on yeah. Your, what would be on your shirt, Matt? Uh, fire. How about, I swear I'll paint them. There we go. Yeah, there you go. I like that. That, I like that. that. that would sell in the uh, minis community. I swear <laughs> I'll paint them. You know, a shirt. that would. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. There's so many people in there with like half the army is like gray, like just the gray. You know, or or the second edition of some kind of Star Wars game isn't going to do anymore, so they're all unpainted. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jab. Uh, that's actually true. In fact, we make that shirt. That's our soundboard right there. New soundboard. That shirt will buy it for us. Yeah, full on. Yeah, I, I love your faith. And we'll have a we In will have Matt to thank for it. What's what's Kay's shirt? What's my shirt? Let's see. Uh, what do you think, Jeff? Oh, Come I on, know. you're here too, Jeff. I know. I I I don't know. Think, Jeff. Uh, well, actually, shirt. I do know. It's uh, we well, actually. Well, that's your Jeff. That's your actually. That's no, a that's, that's a combined shirt between the two of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> No, 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 no. Actually, okay. that's not true. Uh, back in film school. Will be back uh, in film school. Could be that or... Uh, Parking is ample. No, yeah, Jeff's shirt just says ample. Yeah. Because it explains everything about Jeff. I was going to say ample or if it's done well. That would be that would be my shirt. There you go. What would be my shirt? Um, It'd be covered in beaver. It would be an unpronounceable... Oh, I'm sorry. Otter. 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 <laughs> otter. Yes, it would, but... <laughs> otter. It'd be some from otter. Yours would be a series of letters that is supposed to be an unpronounceable name. <laughs> there you go. Basically, if you could pronounce it, it calls Great Cthulhu. I yeah, see what you're saying. Uh, something like that. Something yeah. like article quote John Smith Torgo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 505. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. May believe Matt. And we're to talk week in geek. But, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Nothing. Just color me surprised. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Matt. What what podcast are you on? I don't know. I Some mean, podcast. N- nothing? You didn't watch anything on Netflix? That's you the didn't... shirt for Matt. Well, what did you do shirt. this week? On the nothing. back it says nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I forget a lot of things. Okay. So you do them. You just don't remember. What? Maybe should they take notes. You have a phone. You do have a phone. Go get him. Here comes Kit. <laughs> Kit's got the his two cents The unofficial mascot of the... Uh, the show has got podcast. something to say. That's my T-shirt. A black shirt today. with just cat hair all over the front. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Matt, withstanding, what geeky things you do this weekend? Well, let me think. Okay. But Let's go on. Yeah. By all means, we're going to give you time. Uh, well, I did go see the Fathom Events 40th anniversary screening of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, wow. That was pretty cool. Uh, was it the uncut edition? The no, director's cut? or wasn't was it the, the director's original? cut. Okay. It was the original theatrical cut. Um, I would have loved to have seen a, a big screen adaptation of the director's cut because I still have that uh, DVD. It's one of the few DVDs that I will never give away. Um, 
it was awesome seeing it on the big screen. Um, I was five when it came out, so that's one of the movies I never got to see on the big screen. So sure. that's another one of those only got to see on home video. Now seeing it on the big screen checked off my list. Um, I've, I've seen it, but I'm just trying to figure what they were against. Was it like they're going to the center of the galaxy or what? No, oh, that's Star that Trek five. five. Uh, <laughs> It's the one with the fish. Motion picture has a really storied history. So here we go. Um, it started off originally. To make a long story short. That's my shirt. That is Jeff's shirt. Ellipses. <laughs> well, Matt no, doesn't. No, know. no, no. Listen, I mean about the actual movie itself. I'm just trying to. He is. The movie he, is he, about a fish. entity that comes no. to Earth looking for its creator. And they discover and that it was that they're actually whales. they're actually whales. An old Voyager probe sent by NASA oh. that got discovered by a Deejer. Yeah, that, that got discovered by a, a machine, a planet of living machines. They build this big ship around it. We and they are it on not Borg. <laughs> well, it's funny too. You say that because there's a few novels, and then the yeah, old Starfleet Academy game where they reference that Viger was the origin of the Borg. Um, that the machine planet that he met after he merged with Decker and Ilea, that that gave the machine planet the genesis to start adapting organic tissue into their machine collective. I, so you know, I'm one of two minds with that. It's like on one side that's really clever, right, and and that'd be really neat, but at the same time it kind of shrinks the universe. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it uh, th- those things are are very clever and inventive. But it's always like, oh, uh, so Earth actually kind of had an effect on the... <laughs> Delta Quadrant. Delta Quadrant? Delta Quadrant, yeah. On yeah. the Delta Quadrant before, you know, uh, it was ever there or something like that. Shrinks the universe is a good way to put it. Yeah. What is interesting is like in the future movies, they never reference back at all that particular movie, like the events that occurred in it. So Have, Has it even been referenced in the TV show at all? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, it was. It wasn't talked about in Next Gen, or Voyager, or DS Nine. So I mean, you think of all things Voyager, right? <laughs> yeah, because they're in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. yeah, and there's Borg everywhere, and they're in the no, goddamn just, Voyager. Hold on, hold on. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Voyager's launched 1970 or sixty, whatever seventy, I think, right? Seventy something, yes. Uh, yeah. So it's taking Voyager. A hundred years to get back at nine point nine. If they were to continuously go at nine point nine, that's why I have the cheat to get back. But nineteen seventy is only two hundred years to that date. That doesn't work. See, that's why the novels never three hundred years. Three hundred years. Still, that doesn't oh, work. Oh, twentieth century to twenty third century. Still, it doesn't work. Um, you gotta just if you uh, think of. Time and how, like how, because it's only going. You know what the explanation is? Not even, not even, not even, not even warp speed one. It's going at like, (laughs) dude. It it, It because reason. No, (laughs) the line must be drawn here. No further. You broke your little scared kit. It goes running across. (laughs) That's like what happened. That's like when they explained how moon base alpha keeps going to these different solar systems because it's like it's it's the moon. It's gonna take forever just to get out of our solar system. And so it's like they would hit these space warps, and then suddenly they're somewhere else. Yeah. And so it hit a space warp. It hit a wormhole. A wormhole. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not to mention wormholes all over the place. Super advanced technology. You talked to a physicist. Did you not see Deep Space Nine? There was one wormhole. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the pitch meaning now. So how are you going to get it back to Earth? 
barely an <laughs> super easy super barely, easy, an, barely inconvenience. an inconvenience oh that must be really difficult well, and how? Because reasons. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> so, so I don't think it can actually do it. That's an awfully. I really need you to get way off my back about this distance thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, did it give you the warm fuzzies watching it? Yeah, it was really neat. It really was. I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I've always liked the visual look of it's Star gorgeous. Trek the mission picture. It's gorgeous. It is a really slow burn because sure, and it, and boy, does it! I fuck that ship at that yeah. one scene. Oh, oh yeah, my god, just oh yeah. You thought uh, thought lovingly across a star destroyer was yeah. Mm. Oh, isn't it just like going? Oh, it yeah. just keeps going across that alien ship. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The whole, we built it. We're gonna film the thing. Oh. I mean, it was it was, and it was funny. They planned it out too because they said, "Okay, here's the love letter to the Star Trek fans. They haven't seen the Enterprise in ten years. We're making a whole new Enterprise just for this movie. Let's show it off." And that's still today one of the scenes that a lot of people love the most about that movie. I take it back. And I fucks two ships. Yeah, really they should have just done Star Trek. Dry dock. <laughs> right? <laughs> just had them circling around the ship for, you know, an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. The, odd, that the odd maintenance guy out there with the jetpack. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you see this. You see him, like, drop his wrench. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wrench goes off. Splotchy of white suddenly appears across the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> mm. Enterprise D. Yeah. So it it uh it's gonna screen again magnify. on magnify <laughs> magnify magnify <laughs> it'll uh, it's gonna screen again on Wednesday the eighteenth so the day after most of you will hear this so if you get a chance get uh, I definitely recommend seeing it on the big screen because it's a fully different experience than watching it at home so. it is it you sleep in a theater chair instead of your oh, couch oh here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you got to give him that one. I do have to give him that one because it is—it's a very slow burn. It's—it's. It's, well, I don't know. I thought that was like, a rather good burn. Real quick, was... bam! I just shot it out there. That's a red alert burn right there. It's a—it's a great story, but it takes them forever to get there. It is. Every scene goes on just a little too long. It is actually. Probably there are probably some fans who would argue with me, but I think it's the most honest to God science fiction. Yes, of all the Star Trek movies, sure. and even most of the Star Trek stories. And I think part of that is because Robert Wise. I mean, he's one of those old school directors who did yes. everything, but he did Day the Earth Stood Still, which is one of the greatest science fiction movies yes. ever. And uh, so you can see that approach in this. It's it's an honest to God science fiction movie postulating, yeah. asking questions, uh, looking at things. And Kirk taking opinions from all the various crew members on right. which way they should proceed. Um, so it, it takes it takes its time, but is it, its time is ample. Yeah. And, it, and it's really fascinating, too. A lot of the little things that Bob Wise did directing the film to try to bring the audience into the feel of being in the picture. Like uh, the bridge set, is designed in sections, so you could pull a section out to make filming easier. When Bob Weiss found that out, he's like, well, would those sections come out 
if you were actually on board this theoretical starship? And they're like, well, no, we just did it for the filming. So he had them bolt the whole set together. So all the camera moves had to be done by camera people on the set in a very cramped uh, space. Go get him. To make it to to kind of why that production designer was pissing on his grave. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Probably went back to his workroom and tore up his plans. Motherfucking son of a fucker. So yeah. Last time I hope a goddamn director the fucking fucker fucker took off. Yeah, I'd say yes. They do come out. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, really. (laughs) Next time they ask, you say no. (laughs) So what else you do this week, guys? I went to a Friday the 13th party. Ooh, tell me all about the Friday the 13th party. Jamie's got a lot of relatives or people related to somebody related to something. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Very family-like atmosphere for Friday the 13th, which was funny. So you're you're saying there were a lot of people there. Yep. And it was of great volume. Yeah? Yeah. uh, At one point, I was like sitting there, wow, this is loud, and the the father of half the kids like actually had his finger his fingers his hands over his ears because uh it was so damn loud <clears throat> sounds like my dad when the grandkids are visiting <laughs> yeah so um but uh very very inventive jamie and scott spent months prepping this thing wow. and um it was all over the place because they had all sorts of dioramas they had you saw the i sent you the pic of the masks display he made all those masks oh wow um and uh they had a nice little uh jason's mom altar uh, in the middle of the room for a coffee table they had two different kinds of uh, uh crystal camp crystal lake juice no uh for drinking Regular and unleaded? You know, it's funny because she said there was rum and a lot in it, but I didn't taste any alcohol. Should have been fireball is what you're saying. Uh, Well, I I just, (laughs) I didn't taste any, I just kept drinking it like it was punch. So they, uh, and all sorts of cute, clever stuff. The counter was actually set up like uh, the shore of the lake. And then you had little uh, cupcakes that were campfires. Oh, wow. And uh, then the pier, uh, the little um, the little pier for the, the dock was Kit Kats, ah. uh, you know, so cute stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, of course, it was a Jason body that was the uh, buffet table. So <laughs> you just, you know, you so, had... So you're saying it was naked sushi? No. Oh. Yeah, he was wearing his clothes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, there was sausage, you this, know, in the this torso. This sushi won't come off. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Why is he groaning? Oh, <laughs> it will in a minute. <laughs> but, um. I'm bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, yeah. Your icing's a little runny on that so. cake. Oh, come on, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff Man ruined is. it. He took it too far. <laughs> did I, though? Runny. With this group, did I really... <laughs> but um, uh, they they also made up some interesting games. Uh, the one you would have owned, Torgo, was they set up uh, a card, a giant foam core card that had each Friday the 13th movie title on it and four squares below. And then you got a tray loaded with little squares that were pictures. And you had to go through the tray 
and select the killer and put it on the appropriate movie. The last girl, the uh, first kill, and the best kill, I believe, is what it was. So, and it was really funny because, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. The uh, best kill and the movie poster. Ah. So, I tied for fourth place with 15 out of 48. And it was really funny because the first Jason, the first Jason, the first Friday the 13th movie I, I knew. So I got that one down. And then the others, I'm like looking at girls' hairstyles, and I'm like, eh, that's very 80s. Nah, it's kind of 90s. That's a good you way know. of doing it. Right. Uh, and then, of course, Jason Takes Manhattan, the poster to that one's kind of obvious. Uh, I have Fre- seen that one. Freddy versus one. Jason, that poster is kind of obvious. Tiny bit. You know, and Little so bit. I did stuff like that. Jason uh, in Space, Jason 10, or Jason, Jason X. Jason X. Uh, so good. Jason X, Futuristic yeah. mask, that would have been obvious. Yeah. You know? So the guy who won, though, 24 out of 48. Oh, wow. I think somebody would have owned that game. I'm sad. He's talking about very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I forget what the prizes were, but they were like little, little Funko toy things and stuff like that. So, and it was really funny because after we turn in our cards, this one kid, he's like, oh, damn it. Because he was sitting in front of the diorama. So like half the movies, the, the, the poster of the first movie is sitting right there. The masks are actually labeled for the appropriate movie. He was sitting right next to those. And he's just like, all I had to do was look left. <laughs> That's awesome. And I could have been. What a great game. Yeah, it was. It was actually very clever. They also did a blackout bingo. So, uh, um, and that was just bingo, you know. And it, it'd be like, uh Part six, uh, spear. Oh, and if you had, if you had part six on your file and you had spear on your row, you you know marked it and first person to black out won. I'm floored. Yeah. Oh, it was that was some, and that that foam core setup. That was some. I mean, those little pictures were on one inch foam core squares. So this was meticulously put together. Indeed. So hats off, Jamie. Yeah, wow. it was very cool. Um, yeah, so I tell you, um, the other movies going in the background. The movie it was funny because it was really wasn't a viewing party. <laughs> no. So I was I, I was remembering you talking about it, and I was like, I wonder how Matt would feel because we're not really here to watch the movies. So, uh, but you know, and like, there, this there, is bullshit. I'm leaving. There was plenty of good, uh, plenty so of good, far from home. good food. <laughs> yeah, home? really. Uh, I guess I should stay here an hour just to make the trip worth it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm in Crystal Lake. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I feel isolated. Um, yeah, uh, it it was really funny after everybody left, and I was packing up food and stuff and saying goodbye. Uh, Jamie let one of her cats out of the bedroom he was in, and that cat was semi-traumatized. Oh. He was walking around the house, meep, 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 and he was just looking around. So obviously he sat on the other side of that bedroom door wondering what in the fuck was going on around here. There was one, bit, there was one kid, I don't know what he was, 10? They were setting up, we were setting up some game, 
and they were like, come on, Tony, come on, get that, you know, get your, and he's like, yeah, okay, hold on, oh, wait, I don't want to see the, the, the gross boobies, because there was like a nude scene coming on, oh, and, and I, <laughs> I just, without even thinking about it, I just chimed in, get, you know, uh, don't get used to that feeling, so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Ah, the 80s slasher movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Guaranteed yeah, yeah, to be yeah. a few boobies here and there. Yep. Yep. It drives the rentals, VHS rentals. <laughs> so, yes, it does. So so that was fun. It was a very, very good party, Jamie. Very, very well done. Fantastic. I was working, yeah. so I'm so sad I had to miss it. Uh, but this week I did finish uh, the painting commission for Deb's Goblin Monk. So that's mm. back in Deb's hands. And... Uh, the fastest turnaround in the commission I've had so far. I got it back in like five days from when I received it. So nice. Ah, I'm so happy, and I'm very happy how it turned out. So, uh, you know what? You become attached when you when you start painting. The well, mini- yeah, you're you're putting a piece of yourself into that. Y- you you are, and if it all possible, don't get me wrong. If you want to hire me to paint your mini, <laughs> by all means, please do. Uh, but if you can. I recommend at least attempting to paint your, especially if you're doing a Dungeons and Dragons figure. I mean, Warhammer, you know, you get a whole bunch of pieces and they're not too individualized except for your commanders. And, but even when I was painting that goblin monk, I was getting real attached to that character, just, just bringing it out. And I mean, I was following Deb's instructions and so on, but man, I, I get attached to Vanguard 00219, <laughs> all right? Mm-hmm. He is very special to me. Goddamn Tal. No. No? No, that's the Adeptus Mechanicus. Oh. Vanguard 00... Wow. Wow, even I knew that, Todd. <laughs> I didn't Anyways, know what he was saying ahead. at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just knew that because that's Matt's army. Uh, they're essentially cybernetic slaves. So they are the Borg. Pretty much. Well, you know, they come from a Except socialist society. so And they die very easily. Mm. <laughs> now, who are we talking about now? The tower or the... the... Admech. Okay. You see, even <laughs> you thought they were talking about Tau, okay? What are you talking about? Exactly. No. <laughs> I knew what was going on. So I loved every moment of painting that mini. So again, Aww. Deb, thank you so much for allowing me to do that. And I got to play some Borderlands 3, which Borderlands is one of my favorite game series of all time, so I am very, very happy in that regard. I was starting to wonder, because you didn't mention it last week, and uh, I know it's been out since, what, the 3rd? Uh, September 3rd was the launch date, right? 13th. 13th. Oh, okay. So, Friday the 13th. Friday. Ah. That's what I did when I came home from work. I went right to it. Gotcha. For an hour before I died. Before you passed out. I was going to say, so that's why you didn't come to the party. Oh, nay, sir. I would love to come to that party. But Borderlands 3 is great. If you loved Borderlands 2, uh, it's more the same, but uh, better and bigger. So, yeah, get it. If you didn't like Borderlands 2, then uh, don't. It's not going to win you over. Well, isn't there like some bullshit, uh, quote unquote, isn't there like some bullshit, quote unquote, controversy over the game and like gender fluidity or something like that of some of the characters? I, I, I caught a little bit of it when I was going through the news feeds, and I was like, I'm not even going to bother, because this is huh? probably some trumped-up bullshit about the game. Uh, <laughs> now, up. I do know... <laughs> trumped-up. That uh, wasn't entirely un- unintentional. I know. Okay. The head of Gearbox is n- not the best dude. 
Okay. So he sticks his foot in his mouth every now and then. Okay. Uh, so uh, I think Randy Pitchford, I think is his name, something like that. So I'm not sure what he did, if he did anything. Uh, as far as his gender fluidity or whatever, I don't know. It's okay. It's got a lot of broad humor to it. I mean, everything that I've ever seen. A lot of broads in the humor. Yay. When, when I've watched you play it, I mean, the, the humor is... Is pretty funny. I I'm mean, playing. It's, it's I'm, good stuff. I'm playing a sexless robot who, uh, yeah. when he became sentient, decided that he had a penchant for murder. Yeah. So well, there's nothing like wrong that. with that. It's gender fluidity that's yeah. ruining <laughs> people, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I was just curious if maybe you knew something more about it than I did, but uh, I, I didn't. It, I didn't feel like I wanted to go searching for it. So. A, a lot like you, that if I had seen those words together as, as a controversy with it, I would have just glazed over as well. Yeah. So. Just like one of those oh, why moments. Like why why do why do people have to try to make something out of nothing? Cause that's what people do to pass their time for fun. <sighs> yeah. What? Anything else you do this week, gentlemen? Um I I'm trying to think how geeky this would be, but uh oh, okay. I did uh I did watch a lot of Eddie Money and uh Cars videos this weekend. Oh, so on just, YouTube, just celebrating yeah, money and yeah. Rico so Kasich's you know, not not going to demise. I mean, their their deaths were 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 sad, but you know, I was going to celebrate. Yeah, what they've done, and you know, those are you know two groups, two artists that really contributed to a lot of my youth. Sure, I mean, God, the Cars geeky is all hell. I mean, look at their videos from true. the eighties. Some of those Very are some true. of the geekiest most. Uh, 80s centric videos that you could find. I mean, if you oh. wanted a good example of what an 80s video was, throw a Cars video on. And, oh, oh, and it's magic. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the You Might Think video is hilarious, and it was one of the first times where they started doing a lot of that digital uh, graphics composition. Sure, and you look at it, you want to go back and yeah. do it all over, but you can't go back. Oh, no. No. Wow. Anyway, Anything else you do this week, gentlemen? This Pitchford guy is pretty interesting. Oh, he is. He is. Man. Yeah, he's a he's a regular target of uh, Jim Sterling. He loves to bring up what Mr. Pitchford does. Uh, one of his most egregious things in the past was when they released that uh, uh, Aliens Colonial uh, Colonial Marines game. Oh, right, right. Where they that was the studio behind that? Yeah. Okay. So they released this beautiful demo that made <laughs> the game look absolutely amazing and looked absolutely nothing like the finished game. The finished game looked plain unfinished compared to that demo and rightfully caught a lot of flack for it. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I remember that. It was just like, it was one of the most visually disappointing games I've ever seen. But mm. Borderlands, I, I'm fine with it. Right. It's a great game. Yep. Anything else, you guys? Yeah. What you got? Uh. Uh. No. <laughs> I did something. Great. Um. That's more than me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You did something. We've gone from paint nothing, your goddamn minis, man. Nothing to something. Well, I read something on my Kindle, so there's that. Okay. Uh, what did you read? <clears throat> actually, I. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um. I got a Jones to read an old uh, Andre Norton oh, which science one? fiction novel, Starman's Son. It's actually, it's a neat one because it's uh, one of the first post-apocalyptic uh, stories, science fiction stories written. 
She wrote it in 52. And it was, it was a fun, it's a fun sort of, you know, one of those post-apocalyptic where, oh no, we literally were bombed back into medieval times. Like, you know, everybody's running around with swords. Uh, magic is sort of described as psionics. Um, and, uh, you know, instead of demons, you'll have uh, mut- mut- mutants and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it, was, it was really cool because she did. She just wrote it like seven years after the bomb was dropped. And um, I have it, but it's like buried in my room of storage. So just on a whim, I went through Kindle. Let, let, let's correct that. It's the room of holding. <laughs> There's that, that room holds yeah. more shit than, than a normal storage room would, yeah, could true. possibly ever hold. That's true. There's some kind of a dimensional mm-hmm. co- uh, <laughs> aspect to that. I know. <laughs> if any woman brings her purse in that room, I think the whole house will collapse. Hmm. Um, uh, I went through Kendall. She has a second post-apocalyptic story that's not uh, related called No Night Without Stars, which is another favorite of mine. And uh, Bain Books apparently released them as a as a you know a two book and oh. one type of thing. Great, with absolutely one of the most inner in uh, inappropriate covers. Not inappropriate <laughs> PC or anything, but rather has nothing to do with what's going on inside. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, like they used to do that a lot, in, like yeah. the fifties, right? They would just throw a cover on there they thought yeah. would attract somebody well, to it, and then you read the stories and you're like, oh. Yeah. Well, this is this is eighties or nineties. Oh, really? But, but, okay. Yeah, it's it's totally. It has nothing to do with anything. It was weird, um, but uh, it was. It, they had a little sale on for like ninety nine cents. So I just popped that and <clears throat> dove in and read it. It was a, it was fun going back on it because I remember first reading it way 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 back when and just just being amazed by it. And it was, it's really, really weird for me because there was a period in my life when my mom was really deep into. <laughs> what? What? what did, somebody, somebody. What? He's going he's gonna to edit that out. No fair. Oh, my God. God. Matt, you, didn't, you don't have a earphones, but that sounded just like a fart. It sounded like he held his microphone right up, right up to his ass. It was a sneeze, by the way, but uh, for Torgo sneezed over there. By the border. It was a total... Like, you're going <laughs> to... But you're probably going to edit your sneeze out, aren't you? Oh, I, I can. This is too nice. Oh, my uh, God. Okay, right. On a very that, special geek shot. I was like, okay. Work around the sneeze, sneeze. cursed, and work around the sneeze. And then... Commander K <laughs> begins to tell a touching story, oh, broken up shit. by a Torgo fart. Ow. That hurt my stomach. Oh, God. <laughs> ah. On the other hand, we have a great fart noise for the Geek Shock Foley now. Thank God. <laughs> ah. Ah. Anyway. So you were saying? Yeah. Please, my mom, please. My mom was deep into... Uh, went through a period where she was deep into metaphysics and esotericism, all sorts of psychic phenomenon and ancient aliens type of shit like that, mm. as well as there will be a nuclear war. She was like, there will be a war. It's going to happen. And the 80s are going to be horrible and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and as a kid, I'm like growing up with this. But it was really funny because those Andre Norton novels actually... I think I think she had she had some 
I don't know how much she believed, but she had a foot in some of that lore because she really did do uh, incorporate a lot of psychic phenomenon and stuff in her work. And um, she actually made the post-apocalypse seem like it could be possibly fun and cool. So it was it the prospect of nuclear destruction of civilization wasn't all that bad because <laughs> then we would have our swords and our telepathic cat companions. Um, What's not to <clears> love <throat> about that? Exactly. You know, every time I think of that, I'm like, hmm, if I survive, it's going to suck. And then I realize, oh, I have my credit card debt. I don't need to pay yeah, really? these guys. <laughs> Fuck AT&T and Cox Cable. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That'd be funny. And every time he <laughs> says swords, I can't help but think, I'll take swords for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> God. So, Damn that stupid I, celebrity Jeopardy! Oh, I, I was wondering why you kept kept uh, smirking every time I said. I, you know, it, it's so funny is because it's it's the worst Connery impression ever, <laughs> but it's also the best Connery yeah, impression. I, I ever. think that that's that's part of what yeah makes it's, it work. Yeah, it, 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 if, <laughs> it, if it was an exacting impression, yeah, that's that bit wouldn't work. It wouldn't at all. Yeah. So, but uh, anyway, yeah. Um, so it was fun reading through all that, and and I I actually bought like five or six dollars worth of ninety nine cent books that's going a, through great. a few things and it's like a used bookshop <clears throat> but the home yeah it's it's funny because it sometimes sometimes happens and then you'll see like so and so just released new book and you get all excited and it's there thirty for bucks or whatever. fifteen bucks <laughs> right it's it's marked down from thirty oh, you know and you're man. just like oh god Amazon Prime membership. Yeah, yeah, really. So, well, I don't. Did you ever? Um, did you ever investigate the uh, cost efficiency, cost effectiveness of Kindle Unlimited? Because I still occasionally get, you know, do Kindle Unlimited. And right. The, the thing with Kindle Unlimited is it doesn't have everything. No, it doesn't. It, it, it has nothing from Black the, Library. The, the author, <laughs> yeah, the author Shit. has to agree to be a part of that contract. That contract isn't great. Uh, a lot of authors do it just to get uh, a little more uh, eyes on the page, <clears throat> if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what we'd consider a mid-tier authors, uh, like uh, Adam Caesar I've mentioned in the past. I know he's on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, Mary San Giovanni, great horror authors, uh, but not well-known. Okay. So a lot of up-and-coming authors and ones that are still trying to get their work just plain seen. Uh, but top tier authors, as far as like bestsellers, don't tend to get on there. Uh, they don't have to. They right. they get better contracts elsewhere for that. Right. They don't right. get paid enough to get on there. And so you find that you find the mid the midlisters, and you find uh, all the people that write books and don't hire editors, and yeah, a lot of trash. And uh, to mention, like I, I love my Kindle Fire um, for watching content, reading, etc., and you know, it's. I have a lot of people tell me, "Oh, it's just not the same reading on a Kindle." I was like, "You know what? I don't have a problem with it, um, especially when it's a good story. I, it's it's all about the content." Or you know, when it's you know, yeah, it's dark, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it does help. It's way better. It's convenient. Yeah, like it's I said, super I, convenient. I, I, what am I going to do? Go on Amazon and pay you know five yeah. bucks plus shipping for a, a dilapidated copy of Starman's Son from sure. a used bookstore, or you know I drop ninety nine cents and I have it on my phone. I got this. I got this fucking five dollar 
um, I forget what they call it. It it it's some cutesy little name. <clears throat> it's just a thing that goes around your neck to hold your phone. Um, and actually, it's been really good because I've developed a nasty tennis elbow oh, in my mm. right arm from holding my phone. Mm. And this has actually helped a lot because this just holds the phone on the chest while you're lying in bed. <laughs> and you just reach up and whoosh, swipe to move your pages. Um, I just need what, like those little like, Bluetooth button just to turn the yeah. pages. Well, you know. Lift up and swipe anymore. Yeah. Or, or have a microphone thing so you could be like, turn. Or, turn. you know, a kit, kit, kit. Yeah. Kit, swipe. <laughs> kit. Oh, swipe. Kit'll, sw- kit'll swipe all right. Yeah. Although I have noticed, I don't know if you've caught this because I know you buy a lot of books on, on Kindle. Torgo, and Torgo. I, I would say um, 90%. Uh, Still has to paint them, though. Do you occasionally find that sometimes there's a book that you want that's like five bucks more to get the Kindle edition yes. than if you just get the paperback? Yes. Okay. And, I, I was wondering I, how often that happens. Because a, a lot, because a lot of the big-name companies mm-hmm. had, a couple years ago, uh, renegotiated their oh, Amazon contracts. Oh, I remember that, the big fight. And in doing so, yeah, they won the uh, the right to do their own pricing. Sure. And in doing so, they've intentionally made it so that print mm. would be probably because they see more money on print than they do in digital as far as dealing with the contracts with Amazon's, my guess. I was just curious about that because there, there was a book that came up that I wanted this weekend, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I, since I was already reading uh, something else on my Kindle, I went into the, uh, uh, the store and looked it up, and I was like, Oh, it's not bad. Fifteen bucks, and then it gives you the option where you can tap on it, and it says Kindle edition, and then you can drop down to the paperback. And I saw the paperback was was nine dollars, and I'm like, well, with Prime, I can have it here, you know, day after tomorrow. Sure. And you know, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was weird because I was like, that's a six dollar upcharge. Yeah, it's not just to have it convenient and have it immediately. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, there's there's great deals on Kindle, but sure. there's a lot that aren't, especially with again top tier authors, especially right. when their books came out. Stephen King's new book, The Institute, came out this last week, and it costs less than the hardback does. Sure, but it's still a fifteen dollar book on Kindle. And I wonder too, because it was like a three year old book. It was like a 2016 book. Sure, and and a lot of times what happens is they drop the price as it yeah. goes to uh, right uh, softback, and those editions become sure. available to. Now books, that makes the bookstores, but a lot of times they forget to change the price. Uh, so you can get the paperback for nine dollars, or you can get the digital version for fifteen. So gotcha. there, there's ups and downs to it. Of course, there's no resale in digital, right. uh, but once you own it, you own it forever. Especially if you take out the digital rights management, which you can do with uh, Caliber or Calibre. Uh, look into that if you want to do that Amazon Kindle buyers. Well, a lot of them are publishing without DRM. Yes, they are. <clears throat> there are a lot of them that have this is without DRM per publisher's request. Sure, I think a lot of tours do that. I yeah, think. yeah. So that's that's actually neat. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did, this was fun. Uh, Vernon came over for a drunk DVD night. And I hoodwinked him into watching Assault on Precinct 13. So the, that's the what that post was about. Yeah. The original, not the remake. Right, the original, the John Carpenter. Because he was always like, what is this movie? You know, and, and he, he had no idea. So then I was like, well, it's his first, well, I don't know, you call it real movie. It's his first movie after Dark Star. Yes. 
And uh, <clears throat> he's like, really? You know, it was made in 76. And so we're watching it. And first of all, uh, once again, Amazon, I, uh, my DVD is so old, my Blu-ray could not, uh, well, no, the Blu-ray could play it, I guess. The TV would not screen it right. It, it, uh, there was, it wasn't anamorphic. So you could not set the, the television screen size to get the appropriate. It was going to be stretched or squished one way or the other. And so uh, I was just, I bit the bullet and I went to Amazon Prime and it was available for rental for uh, two bucks. So I rented the, the uh, high def, which was amazing sharp as hell nice. and uh it looked incredible and so right off the bat you know vernon goes into film school m mode and he's <laughs> like wow this is this is well shot and he's doing that you know and he's just he's just talking away and then of course 70s stuff so he's like what kind of car is that is that a you know and he's going on and on and i'm like yeah wait till you start recognizing la locations and he's like oh yeah no i know i, I think i know that place and he's just going on we drove poor Kirsten nuts one night. We were watching something, and Vernon and I started going they into film just school. Would not <laughs> fucking shut up, <laughs> Jesus Christ! The, the, My the, God! The turn of it though was I started to realize that it was bothering Kirsten, so I stopped. Vernon just kept going. Yeah, no, Vernon was like, "Oh boy, I got more room to talk now." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Act three, this ball. Oh what my God. It? I just I couldn't watch anything because not only were they talking, they wanted to make sure they heard each other, so they were talking over the volume of what we were watching. <laughs> so I'm just sitting. Got to give them the little personal mic packs for the ear. Oh man, <laughs> and throat mics so they can sub vocalize. Well, hey, at least I was reading the room after yeah. uh, after a while mm -hmm. ago. Oh, yeah. So yeah, but anyway, um, <laughs> it was really funny because towards the end, finally Vernon goes, you know, this movie is. Is very 80s. You sure it was 76? And I'm like, dude, it is. It's 76. And we started laughing about how Assault on Precinct 13 was an 80s action movie that predated the 80s by like four years. But a lot of the fair, very a fair. lot of the the way it was shot, a lot of the use of light. Uh, he said that particular note when they had a fake fire at the police station and they had police car lights shining through the fog and stuff like that. And um, it was really it was really fun. Every now and then, it's like if I'm lucky, once a year I can pull one out that Vernon is totally taken by surprise and uh, had no idea. <clears throat> so so that was it was actually kind of fun. And it just it really is a hell of a movie. So and 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 Carpenter's commentaries are always amazing. But oh, th yes. this one was a fucking. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to it because it's almost a film clinic unto itself because he's constantly talking about the challenges of filmmaking throughout this movie uh, and what they had to do and things they had to, you know, how they had to approach things and where they got the costumes for this and that and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was actually fun. <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, then we watched the DS9 episode, and it was hilarious because the other post I put up that some people were wondering what was that about. There's a there's a scene where uh, Odo 
is giving Kiris some shit about something. And he gets very snarky, sarcastic. And Vernon in his drunk state's like, you know, I don't want you to take this wrong, but he's such a condescending prick in this scene. He reminds me of you. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really funny because right at the end of that moment, Odo is like, don't you think? And he gives this big smile and he's like, there, that's you. That's you to a T right there. So wow, that was my that was my other post on Facebook. It was pretty funny. So <laughs> if that's not the pot calling the kettle black, I, I don't know what it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Oh man, we were driving to a friend's and he he started on yet another Ryan Johnson rant, and it was just funny. And it's it funny because he claims that now he just does it to push my button and I push his buttons in return, but. I don't know. I think it's still, the bitterness is still bubbling there. (laughs) Can't imagine why. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for the Geek Shock Book Club, uh, we are still discussing the two books that were selected. Saturday Night Ghost Club by Craig Davidson and The Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi. Uh, I finished Saturday Night Ghost Club, so I put my thoughts about that. And I'm halfway through Collapsing Empire, which I am thoroughly enjoying Kay, have, did you read Collapsing? I have not read it yet. I've got that copy. Somebody got me some kind of signed copy or something. Who would do a I damn thing like that? Some fool spending Somebody's their money. A real jerk. Well, I would tell you right now, <laughs> Scalzi makes it real easy to get into a book. He he grabs you by the hand and just yanks you in. It's he's well, phenomenal. Okay. He is. He is a very he's a very good writer. Um, you you read Old Man's War? Yes. And a couple. Did you read a couple others as well? Uh, not in that same series. Okay. Uh, I do have a few that I do want to get back to it. Because I some people criticize it's like he has great starts and then he just gets bogged down in the second half and I never noticed that and I just wanted to know how you how you responded to that. Too. All my scholarly joints have been one shots. So red shirts. Uh, but I mean in the novel itself. He starts off, and then half, and the second half of the novel, it just. I don't know. And I, I've never really felt that. I will say I'm halfway through the book, and one, I love the characters he's put together. It's it's pretty quick getting you to side with people you probably wouldn't like in real life. So he's got that skill going for him. As far as the story, I really he telegraphs where it's going to go, and I want to see it go there. Hmm. So, and of course, I'm sure I'll have a twist or two before that's done. But so far, great. All right. The concept itself almost sounds topical because collapsing empire and you sort of reflect on where America is or is going. Certainly. And I can't say that I'm not, the story hasn't developed enough to know for sure. Hmm. But if he is, maybe the the darkness dark aspect of it because i'm going to say it's a grim dark book so far it really isn't but there's nothing in the novel so far that says this is an allegory of what is happening and Mm -hmm. i'm not seeing any of that okay i was just curious just curious and and knowing scalzi and knowing his politics i i've actually kind of been watching for it and it really hasn't jumped out at me all right all right i do have to pick that up though that's a physical book too i could I could actually hold something in my hand. Oh, oh. I get that tennis elbow. Yeah, again. yeah. You got. We got to get you a new holder around Shit, your neck just yeah. to just to hold my book, and, book, and then have Kit swipe the pages. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. 
Gentlemen, we got an email. Okay. Email time. Hello, my geeky overlords. In the last few weeks, our neighbors adopted a puppy. Aww. They had her outside, and we stopped by to say hello and learn the dog's name is Georgie. Now, every time I see them outside, I'll wave hi to the human and then lock eyes with the dog and say, Hiya, Georgie, in my best Pennywise. I realized there's lots of time where my geekiness sneaks out in my regular day, such as dropping the occasional thanky sigh, which Dark Tower stuff. So, what geeky phrases, saying, quotes, and hand signals, etc., do you guys drop in your day-to-day without realizing it? Long days and pleasant nights, Jeffy Roth. Without realizing it? Yeah, I, was I don't know. Say. Jeff realizes every single one of his little <laughs> bombs. He'll no, not realizes, everyone. Realizes he is proud and waiting for you to recognize yeah. him. A lot of them, yeah, I'm like, I do it intentionally, but I do also do some without even realizing that I'm doing it. So, uh, I do the, the Riker uh, Riker sit down. Yeah, yeah. He oh, does. do you the the, oh, the over the <laughs> chair? I'll, I'll catch myself sometimes. Turn it, <laughs> he, he turns the chair around backwards and then does the awkward leg over the the, the top, uh, even though he's already facing the chair. You yeah, know. Um, I've caught myself doing that. I'm like, whoa. I remember talking about that with Andy over the chair. Riker said, "Yeah, but he did it too." Or or with, well, about Matt. He tried it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Andy tried it. So let me guess. Trip, fall, drinks everywhere, what? Yeah. Well, it was just the the uh, the back support wasn't supporting his back. <laughs> mm. So, he, yeah. yeah. It was funny. It was funny and predictable. That was cool. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, not at all. <laughs> now, it gave me time to think, and I still haven't thought of one, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I knew this question was in here. Uh, I know I do it. Yeah, it's 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 just so ingrained in me. I don't realize when yeah, I'm when you doing think about it. it, it doesn't yeah. really, you know. I I this is one that I I just realized I do a lot and I do it kind of unconsciously. Is uh, if if I say something or somebody says something back, and I'll be like, well, that's what I heard, and that's <laughs> right out of Ghostbusters. Yes, it is. And, uh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, that's one I do a lot, and I don't even realize it. In fact, it just now dawned on me that I do it. And of course, there's the it. airplane penchance. Yes. Someone says oh, surely, yeah. or someone says something, and then ends it with altogether. And yeah, except when you say altogether, and you're the only person that says something. I, no I have, <laughs> I have done the uh, like, uh, you know, somebody will say something that triggers a line from airplane. Then I do the, but that's not important right now, you know. And they have no idea what I'm talking about, and I'm not even going to bother to explain it to them. Yeah, and at the bar, I keep asking if they've been to a Turkish prison. But other than that, I really don't <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. Do that one. I get uh, Jeff misattributes one I do a lot when I make a when I when I say a, a joke that kind of kind of falls flat or something, and I go yeah, because <laughs> that's more of a that's a David Letterit. Right. Oh yeah. David Lettermanism. That's true. Uh, yeah. He used to, you know, and and he'd do that. Yeah. Ooh, ah, you know, and the band would play along with him, you know, doing rim shots and stuff. Oh yeah. And every Paul time, Schaefer, every time, Jeff has got a. Oh, you need to put on your glasses and David Caruso, and it's like that's not what I'm fucking <laughs> doing. So I realize that's not what you're doing, but I made it my own thing. <laughs> Jeez, he made my thing his own thing. <laughs> 
That's just great. Well, it's 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 the only way to torture you. Mm. Now there is or one a, of them anyway. There, there's a pat response at the bar that I work at because, of course, I don't really follow sports all that much. And as a bartender, you do get asked a lot of sports things. Sure. So I'll, I'll, and you're like, uh, sports, 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 sports. <laughs> I know enough to nod and agree with what people are saying about their favorite things. I'm good with that. Uh, although, if people do ask me my favorite team, I just say the Jedis and move on. There you go. So that pretty much shuts down that conversation. I've nicely. got a bad feeling about this. Uh, of course. There's a, sometimes when you see something big, you're like, that's no moon. I've done that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, sure. Just, just a, 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 um, a truck that's bigger than you expect it to be as it comes around a corner or some hole in the ground or something. <clears throat> I've done that. Um, there has been times at work, in fact, I did it today, where someone's, uh, one of my coworkers does something annoying. I just say, Expelliarmus and move on. <laughs> go get him, Ray. I say that a lot. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah. Right. Go get him, Ray. That is definitely and a person. Is that even, is that one of those uh, recreated lines? Is that the... That's the actual line in Ghostbusters. Okay, all right. You're nailing Let's it. Go right. get her. Because yeah. there's because there's also the moment of okay, everybody grab her, right? Because that's the the ghost in the in the in the library in yes. the library the very yeah. beginning. Because when I saw well, that, get her, I think in the get library. Her, get her. Like, that that, one, that two, was three, your plan. Get her. Get her. That was your plan. Get her. That yeah. was your plan. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. that scene. I remember seeing that, and I'm like, God, I thought it was always go get her, Ray. And, well, and that's so, yeah. That's later on when they're facing Gozer. Yeah, yeah. So you're not so, wrong, and it's in the right mm-hmm. movie. It's just different. Gatekeeper. Scene. Yeah. Every time somebody mentions, you know, uh, especially when I was working as a gatekeeper at Ka, you respond with, uh, "Are you the key master?" So, I, I you know I just realized another one I do a lot um, when I need to get like my team moving at work. A lot of times I'm like, "Fly you fools." <laughs> <laughs> Half of them actually do know what I'm talking about, and they get it, and they laugh, and then they move on and do their job. But when you're running a team, it's like, I need you guys to do this. I need you to do this. Please. Shouldn't have to ask you to do this. It's part of your job. Um, And that is when I do frequently, I've realized. Probably the one thing I use, god damn it, why we always have Ghostbuster goddamn quotes. The, The one that pops out of my mouth is when there's something I don't want to do for somebody I'll just say there is no blank only Zool yeah. and, nice. and then just move on um, and you do I do I've heard that a few yeah. times yeah. back when I was back in the casinos uh, get asked for directions a lot I'd always say second start of the right straight out till morning and I'd walk <laughs> away and I'd walk away and they'd be sitting there like nice yeah, nice burn that. <laughs> nice burn yeah not up your ass to the left no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Second start of the right, straight <laughs> out until morning. <laughs> you get that blank glaze, like. Yeah. Goddamn Peter Pan literary people. These Canadians. Yep. Yeah, really. They just, you know. Um, I know I quote Trek a lot, but that's it's just become such second nature sure. that I, I'm sure I don't even consciously do it anymore. Just, it's reflex. Proper mm-hmm. nerd, them man. Yeah, absolutely. Lonely child. <laughs> Dancing on the sand. Um, the Spock eyebrow. I deliberately copied. I I have done that. Like I started picking up when I, when I was really little because my dad would watch it and my mom thought it was the cutest thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
when I was really little before I even realized I could do it. And I've been doing it since. So for over 40 years, I've been doing it. And half the time, I don't even realize I'm doing it. When I get that, just something puzzles me. I'm like, and my mom used to just laugh her ass off every time I would do it. <laughs> and, and she just, because she thought it was the cutest That's thing. Funny. She's like, oh, he's, he's imitating the TV. That's so funny. So anyway, that's <laughs> just one of those things that popped into my head just now. Well, how about in, you? In your, in your jammy jams? There you are doing your Probably spot. when I was in my diapers. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Because I know my dad loved Star Trek and, you know, watched it a lot in syndication when I was little. Try not do or do not. Ah. Yeah. I'm throwing well, that out. I've, I have done that one As too. As a trainer yeah. especially, I'll, you know, oh, yeah, I'll try. Try not do or do not. There is no try. Shatner delivery. You know. Very much so. How about you, monkeys? Put it in the shock monkeys layer. What the, what geekisms creep into your regular everyday sayings? I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say. Oh, yeah. It's, we'll see what Jake's entry is. <laughs> I know that... Uh, <laughs> we'll tear your soul apart. Right? <laughs> One I love to do, and I always do it, and so few people... It's like anytime somebody uses the word risk... I do, the, I do the Shatner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is our business. Yes, <laughs> I've done that too. That's true. That's, That's because true. of Star Trek. The experience so much smashed it into oh, our Oh, well, boy, did it. That too, but yeah, Risk. it's just such it's a... business. It's just such a Shatner moment of any of the ones in the series. Risk. I mean, he's pounding on the table. Yeah. That I could order this, but and, I won't. And, and whenever, whenever we're, uh, you know, we're here to do X or... Uh, we're here to do work or, you know, we're blah, blah, blah. I will sometimes go, that's why we're aboard her. <laughs> nice. You know, and people will look at me like, huh? Yeah. So, because, yeah, I have to admit that one doesn't uh, doesn't really play if you don't know. <laughs> Death to the false emperor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Matt's giving me the side eye. All right, I, I'm upset. You should be let the galaxy burn. Let the galaxy burn. Eh, that's a little, that's more horsey. Mm. Death to the false emperor. <laughs> Death to the false emperor. Some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah, really. I oh. have used that one before, and they're like, why are you doing an accent? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it has to be an accent, Dennis. Yes, you have to do the Michael Caine accent, or it's not right. Well, that and the, the other, the other bone-chilling line when he tells the story about the bandit in uh -huh. the forest, and he's finally like... So, just burn the whole uh, forest down. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. We burn the forest down. And yeah. he just throws it out there like, meh, meh, meh. Yeah, we, we couldn't catch him, so we burned the whole forest down. <laughs> I know. And it's just like, because <sighs> that actually, when you think about it, that line is very loaded for that movie. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. All right, let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Sometimes I try my bane and I try to say, tear this prison down. Oh, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't memorized the line but a lot of people will do the whole you adopted the the whatever you know i was, I was born into it yeah exactly. you really adopted yeah they'll talk winter yeah. or the summer heat or whatever it is and you know i've noticed that yeah, that'll be that'll be that. that's uh, that can be funny sometimes it's like ah oh, yeah okay that's the third time today shut up <laughs> oh, anytime the temperature drops in Vegas, I'm like, winter is coming. <laughs> or another Bane line is when, you know, your boss and your fan, like, do you feel in charge? <laughs> 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 oh, 
good. News you don't give a shit about. Uh, oh, I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I wasn't going to do the Andy. Do a, just... t- do a taunt sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Kit looked. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Makes me wonder if it was like a snart, like half sneeze, half fart. <laughs> oh, did your body take a screenshot? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> making its way around facebook i can't take full credit i think you can uh, fair enough <laughs> good job Kay. that was good put, put it on a shirt as far as we know you're the first person to, f- <laughs> to say that right now news you don't give a shit about the king killer chronicle an adaptation of pat rothfuss's fantasy novel spearheaded by executive producer and broadway superstar lin-manuel miranda has been dumped by showtime after the network won it in an intense bidding war back in 2017. Now, the still-in-development drama about troubadour adventurer Gavoth is back in the hands of its producers. Gavoth. That's what I said. Its producers, Lionsgate, and back on the market, with Apple among the potential buyers being shown John Rogers' pilot script. This information comes courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter, which notes Rogers would serve as showrunner if and when the uh, series finds a home, while Miranda would compose music for the series. That said, the premise of the Showtime's big win was that the show would be a prequel taking place long before the series' first book, The Name of the Wind. This was supposed to tie into the films that would be a more direct adaptation of the books themselves, which Sam Raimi was in contention to lead back in 2018. The Kingkiller Chronicles' availability may seem as a boon among uh, networks and streaming services looking to compete with HBO's now numerous Game of Thrones prequels in development. Amazon has Lord of the Rings and The Wheel of Time. A24 has Earthsea. Netflix has The Witcher and His Dark Materials and Discworld also getting their own adaptations. So yeah, Kingkiller Chronicles going on the market. Again, you know, I have uh, it just you mentioned Lin-Manuel. Uh, it just uh, I had a, an embarrassing moment this weekend regarding uh, a terminology that I don't know how I've made it to to my age and not realized what the hell it was. The the term EGOT, E-G-O-T, mm-hmm. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. I'd never heard it before and came across it. I'm like, what the fuck is an EGOT? What kind of film school did you go to? I I know. I know. Dr. Nick Film School? And living with this asshole for that long, how how did I, I, even through osmosis, learn that? So when I finally found out what it meant, I was just like, it was like one of those moments where you're just like, how do I, how do I not know what this means? How did I not know what this meant before? Yeah, it was just one of those like slap in the face moments. It was just like, oh, wow, I'm dumb. So yeah, that was a little side story for all you people. Oh my god, Why I liked you- it. News you don't give a shit about. Netflix's adaptation of Jupiter's Legacy by Mark Miller just <laughs> lost its showrunner and executive producer Stephen S. Tonight. Nah. Denight, who has also showrun Marvel's Daredevil and directed Pacific Rim Uprising, allegedly parted ways with the comic book series over creative differences. Mm? Denight has an overall creative deal with Netflix, but according to this story, he's trying to get out of the contractual arrangement before it expires next year. 
Jupiter's legacy centers on the children of demigods as they struggle to live up to their mantles of their parents. Four out of the eight episodes for the first season have reportedly been filmed already. DeKnight wrote and directed the pilot. With his departure, however, Netflix is currently looking to fill his spot as soon as possible. There's no premiere date or window for the show as of yet. Yeah, when uh, when they were like, Steve, uh, are you sure you don't want to... Come on, stay with us and do this. He was like, D-Night! Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you got a you got a little rim shot you can insert there for that one. It's got to earn you know? a rim shot. Oh, oh. Uh, I was gonna say if anything it earns it, that was pretty close. Yeah, no, I do have yeah. some, I do have some crickets I can put in the background okay. though. Oh, all right, Cric- crickets like all there. You go, crickets like will be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if the bar's set that high for the rim shot, I gotta know what what's what's the actual. That's right. That's a that high one. bar, folks. This is what you're up against. Oh, I dare you to try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God Andy's not here. Right oh, my God. You would try oh, and try Andy, again. Andy would, would, he, he would be focused on nothing else for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> he would just. Yeah. The rest of the, I said the, the podcast as it goes on into infinity. Sure. He would saunter right up to that comedy limbo bar and rack himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's like the, saw a fail video the other night that, this fucking chain that, uh, you know, when they run chains like through pipes, get that. Uh, and th- this thing is like seven inches off the ground and some woman is walking her dog and they come up to the chain and she goes to hop over it and just catches her foot. and yeah, The dog is like hopping over and looking all confused and shit. And it's just, you know, yep. Yep. Nimble beings are we. So you don't give a shit about... Movie Pass has ended. Oh no! <laughs> Possibly for good <laughs> this weekend. This time. How does that make you feel? Okay. I'm done already. Yeah, so That's you... like telling me she got married to someone else. <laughs> uh, its parents' company, Helios and Matheson Analytics, announced that the once promising theater ticket service would cease all operations effectively this last weekend, Saturday, the September the 14th. Quote, our efforts to recapitalize MoviePass have not been successful to date, Helios and Matheson said in a statement run by Variety, adding that the board is looking into selling MoviePass or massively reorganizing the film-centric venture. Continuing the quote, the company is continuing its efforts to seek financing to find its operations, but the comp- fund its operations, but the company is unable to predict if or when the MoviePass service will continue, unquote. And it'll continue... Under, you know, past movie. Brand new service that hasn't been done before. Past movie. All right, I feel better now, folks. Huh. <laughs> While the service uh, going <laughs> defunct is the kind of an end of an era, it's also not surprising for a brand that has suffered major setbacks over the last year. Uh, like Cinema, also out of business, and AMC Stubbs A-List. <laughs> Great name. Uh Movie Pass, which first launched back in 2011, was a subscription-based service that allowed app users to see one movie a day for the low price of $9.95 a month. That price would be slashed down to $7.50 in November of 2017, 
But when that model provided wildly unsustainable, the pr- company tried different tactics, like a $2 surcharge for bigger blockbuster movies and switching to a three-movie-per-month system, which eventually could not save the service, but many saw as a revolutionary way to enjoy the latest big-screen release at their local theater. Trouble really reared its head last summer, when MoviePass needed $5 million to stave off financial ruin after the app suffered major major outages around the release of Mission Impossible Fallout. To rectify the situation, Helios and Matheson tried to double up on the subscription fee to $14.95 a month. In addition, some customers reported that they couldn't cancel their subscriptions as the new model was rolled out. And at this point, AMBC Stubbs' A-list was proving to be a much more lucrative endeavor while MoviePass attempted to quell the wave of rising debt. And then to make matters worse, shareholders bought a class action lawsuit against the company over alleged quarterly loss of $126 million. And not long after, a survey found that the app was tracking to lose half of its users. And the best part, a month later, MoviePass re-enrolled former members against their own will in a stunt that only brought them bad publicity. What? (laughs) Less than a month after that, the Attorney General of New York announced that he would be opening an investigation into Helios and Matheson, which then decided to dump MoviePass as a subsidiary and spin the business into an unaffiliated venture. Another revamp was announced in early 2019 with a three-tier pricing system based on region. And late January, they also promised back an unlimited movie plan, intending to roll out a major marketing campaign with billboard space in Manhattan's Times Square. They offered said unlimited plan by March, but it was only available for a short time and severely limited the list of films one could see with it. Yeah. So the slow death yeah. of a good idea. Those bitches, when they, when they killed it right before, what was it, Infinity War? I think it was Infinity yeah. War. Yeah, because I, I remember all you said, were upset. Yeah, Doug Citizen... Uh, was a Star Wars friend of mine talked about how he he saw Last Jedi, Force Awakens. I think it's whichever, one of those. You know, one of those. Yeah, yeah uh, he saw it like two dozen times. He saw it damn near every day for a month because at that point, Movie Pass was doing what it was doing, and then the day before, you know, Infinity War came out, they made that change because I was all set to just spend the rest of my life. <laughs> watching Infinity War once a day. And I was just so pissed. And, you know, I mean, on the surface, when they said that it was really about collecting data points and selling it, which after watching The Great Hack, a documentary on Netflix, you could understand, um, because apparently data literally has surpassed oil in terms of the most valuable uh, commodity resource uh, on the world market. I thought that, you know, they, they had a good thing going, but I guess the data that they tried to accumulate and sell, and it was really funny because they never talked about that. I mean, of course, nine ninety nine a month and yeah. see as many movies as you want is in of itself going to blow up in your face. You have to be doing something else to make your money, and they never talked about that they never talked about how the way they were supposed to make money was not working which i found interesting plus i it, that's that's a great point and and also now that all the theaters have their own unlimited programs and extra incentives for signing up for it like 
discounts on concessions, stuff that MoviePass would have never been able to match. Sure. Uh, there's just no way, even selling data points, that they could compete with that. Yeah. Now imagine if that if that had worked, because then yeah. then actually they, God knows what they could have fucking offered. Yeah. Right. You, con- concessions, bonus points, uh, break stuff like that, any number of things, and it's just weird how how it fell through, and it was also weird how they talked. They didn't right. talk about what was failing because it's obvious that that part was not going to generate their profit sure so what happened to what they were actually planning to do and we never heard because just just off the top of my head you mentioned amc's Stubbs a-list uh you got cinemark's got their movie club regal's got their regal unlimited that's a significant chunk of theaters across the country right there very true because those are three of the biggest uh movie chains so and I would not surprise me if there's other movie chains that have their own version of the programs without even doing any research. I'm sure there are. So yeah, you just it was a nice idea. It was just never gonna never be sustainable. There's gonna Especially, be a documentary about this, right? Yeah. Someone out there's yeah, already yeah. making a movie past documentary that covers all of what we're talking about here. Not to movie mention when past. You, not to mention when you have companies that go, oh, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do it and drive them out of business. It's it's inevitable. Yeah. The mouse showed is. up, shook yeah. him down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to see a little image of Mickey holding a knife at someone's neck. <laughs> there's there's a plenty of those out yeah. there, actually. No, no. Dude, I think not, I saw someone with that t- tattoo. Two large men, and they go and do oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yes. The so, mouse and, doesn't and, dirty the hands. No, Huey, no, Dewey, and Louie. The mouse doesn't. It's uh, it's uh, it's one large gentleman, Lucas Films, and the other large gentleman is Pixar or whatever. Called. It's gonna be a scene right out of Goodfellas. Like the mouse says, "You owe him." He's like, "Oh, oh I already paid God, him." Yeah. <laughs> I want to see hanging him over the the lion pit, and the yeah. lion's the Lion King. He's <laughs> all down there. And like, <laughs> I want that scene from uh, is it is it Casino where Joe Pesci puts that guy's head in the vise? Yes, it's but Casino. Just, yeah. But just have that be goofy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, did you see his fucking eyeball pop out of his head? <laughs> really? Movie pass? That piece of shit app is the reason why you're holding out on me? I can't believe it. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Now I want to see Goofy take on every Joe Pesci role in every movie he's ever been in. That's awesome. <laughs> I would watch that version of the Super. <laughs> well, with the two Utes. Utes? Utes. <laughs> what is a Ute? Gosh, do you find, am I a clown? Do I amuse you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you don't give a shit about the big screen adaptation of Harbinger is getting shuffled around the studio system. The Valiant Entertainment comic, which follows a group of superpowered teens rebelling against the evil corporation trying to capitalize on their abilities, is no longer in development at Sony. The project has moved to Paramount, though the film's creative team will remain intact. The film was being fast-tracked by Sony, with production slated to start sometime this fall. Now, Paramount director, co-writer Justin Tipping, and producer Neil Moritz will slow things down a bit. What, what did I say? What? No, I'm, I'm sorry. 
Jeff is coughing into his shoulder, and I'm thinking, see, that's how you cough into your shoulder. That wasn't a that was a cough, not a sneeze. <laughs> well, I sneeze into my sleeve too. It's yeah, well, that, there you that go. Food that's and beverage. It. That's my point. Don't try to take this away from me. I'm still laughing. I'm <laughs> enjoying my snark. <laughs> take a picture. Now Paramount director, co-writer Justin Tipping, and producer Neil Moritz will slow things down a bit as the film gets redeveloped. However, the news may speak to another issue. Sony is still planning to make the Bloodshot film with Vin Diesel, another character from Valiant's catalog. The initial plan was for Harbinger to tie in directly to the events of Bloodshot, which would have led to a crossover of event based on the 2013 series Harbinger Wars, Effectively creating a new shared universe, the VCU. Dun, dun, dun. While Bloodshot is still on track with a February 2020 release date, it reportedly won't lead to the shared universe that Sony had originally planned. It's also being reported that Bloodshot isn't seen as much as an integral character to the larger Valiant universe, so it's possible a revised VCU could live at Paramount. This also means that Valiant finds itself in a similar position as Marvel did years before it dominated the box office as its characters are now split up and licensed by different competing studios. Derp -a -derp -a -derp -a -derp. I wonder if that also had something to do with uh, how big of a hit the boys became for Sony, even though it was being released through Amazon Prime Video. Well, just because of that because the similarity similarities that with the description just with them fighting against the corporation versus being in cooperation with mm, it that's they're really hold even though that kind of sounds similar in a, in a mm -hmm. sentence log line they are completely yeah. different okay. creatures. that that's similar in a way Andy would go that sounds very similar but yeah it's really actually, well, I don't know the actually, I don't know that one so. actually it's very different okay well that well, was spot on that sounded it. exactly like Andy I'm really <laughs> impressed you no. have been living together. No, 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 no. Oh, it didn't sound exactly like Andy because I actually understood what he said. <laughs> versus, <laughs> what? Use your words, Andy. And then he says it exactly the fucking same. It's like he hit rewind and press play. Well, you it's asked amazing. what. Yeah, really. That's on you. Each time it's like he pushes sure. play, but he pushes the two times play on those special tape recorders that have the slightly faster playback. It's like, Andy, slow it down. Slow it down. Speak like a normal person. I, I will I will give him this. He can be patient. I remember right. one phone conversation we had. I asked him four times, dude, I am not understanding you. And he finally he finally slowed down enough that I got what he was saying. Sent you a text message. <laughs> <laughs> right. Weekend geek! Yay! Get out of here, kid. Jump on on Kit. Give him, him kisses. Big licks. J.J. Abrams just became something of an untouchable titan in Hollywood. With a massive partnership between Warner Media himself and his production company, Bad Robot. Wow. This deal, valued at $500 million, covers the creation of films, shows, games, theme parks, and other media between now and 2024. Mega deals like this are only reserved for majorly successful players like, say, Spielberg. Under this arrangement, Abrams will enjoy benefits like reserved theatrical releases set aside just for him. This also means that Bad Robot will be moving away from its collaborations with Paramount, albeit with the caveat that it completes 
all existing obligations to that studio. I was just going to wonder about that. Paramount and Universal were bidding in a war for Abrams as well, but Warner obviously came away victorious. Uh, Known for his prolific role as producer on shows like Lost, Felicity, Alias, Fringe, Revolution, Almost Human, Westworld, and Castle Rock, Abrams has cemented himself as one of the entertainment industry's best genre storytellers, as a filmmaker, Abrams is known for rebooting the Star Trek franchise on the big screen, writing and directing Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, and paying homage to Spielberg's heyday with 2011's Super 8. Abrams' next theatrical release will be Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, which he directed and co-wrote. Chris Terrio, who also wrote Justice League, helped pen the screenplay. The long-awaited conclusion to the Skywalker family saga hits the theaters Friday, December 20th. And it'll erase all the terrible stuff that happened in in in, in Last Jedi. It, it, it'll totally change all the mistakes. It sounds like Andy's in the room. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't Andy. But it sounded just like Yeah, but Andy isn't no. a hater like that. No, it isn't. No, he wouldn't say that. Don't do God damn Victorians. <laughs> what? Why are you saying things that Andy wouldn't say in his voice? I'm not I'm I'm not. That's uh, not the Andy voice. It sounded like the Andy that's voice. That's the that's the dumbass fucking geek voice. <laughs> well, it sounds like uh Warner Media's flexing their muscles with all that new AT and T. I don't think money. it sounds like that either. I think it sounds like the dumbass geek voice. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about you at this point. It's not always about you, Kirsten. I know. You just came in right at the right time. Yeah, that was, you know, you're right, Jeff. That yeah. AT&T money. Yeah, AT&T's got billions in the bank. I mean, they probably Fuck just you, said, Major Man. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, and also, Super 8, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a treat. Give yourself a treat and watch that movie. Yeah, do, and do yourself a treat a, while you're watching it. It's a fun. Oh, it's a fun yeah. little movie. Give yourself a Super Eight with your Super Eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there first. It's one of those. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You beat me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or in Jeff's case, the Super Sixteen. Oh, oh. <laughs> Throw him a bone. Sure. Super Eight is just one of those fun little low budget movies that doesn't feel like a low budget movie. Starring the dude who's in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yep. I just watched a um, the the. Oh shit! They got two channels: Cinema Sins and then Cinema. Ah, fuck! I can't remember the time. The the the, the one is uh, everything wrong with blah blah blah, and the everything that's everything that's great. Blah, blah, blah. And he they did a uh, everything that's great about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, ah. and it actually does some nice deep diving. I mean, he talks about musical flourishes that reference. Uh, the original movies and points out a few things I didn't even notice uh, when I watched the movie. So everything that's great about Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's fantastic. I, had to real, I, I knew they were doing the uh, everything wrong with which I'm like, meh, I'm tired of the, the yeah, little well, nitpicks. It, and it's funny because they actually they actually name a different channel. So you got Cinema Sins and Cinema Motherfucker. <laughs> I just, I can't remember the title of it. But it's... Uh, it's pretty good, and actually, the everything great their everything great series is actually kind of fun. And uh, um, <clears throat> sounds like I, something I'd, I'd like to listen to while uh, going to bed. Yeah, uh, one of the th- uh, challenges that he actually laid out was give me movies with big disparities between the critic score and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, and I will uh, I will look at the movie and 
Is it Cinema Secrets? There it is, I think. Because, I, I mean, without going to their actual page, that was another suggestion that popped up when I was doing my search here. Maybe Cinema Secrets, I guess. Well, I don't know. I'll I find know. out in a second. My, maybe I... Yeah, they make great popcorn. Oh, wait, that's Pop Secret. That's that's uh, Sorry. Yeah. I used to have, get Newman's Own. Oh. But they don't... I don't think they make the popcorn anymore. So... Just, now, just salad dressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, sorry, it's Newman's. Shit. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Newman's own. Yeah. Okay, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, uh, where the fuck was I going? God damn it. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> That's the popcorn. I Movie theater uh, butter. Yes, that one. Is that the name of the, the channel? Movie theater? No, butter? that's the oh. that's the brand of uh, oh, red no popcorn. You, you guys are fucking ill. <laughs> My brand, no popcorn. You and Goobers. Torgo. You Goobers. and Torgo. Uh, Goobers. Is disgusting. Goobers and raisinets. Goobers raisinet, such a tasty treat. Yeah. I used to do popcorn and raisinets, and then a big giant back when I was having sugary soda. And I remember one time I did a double feature. And I went around for the second movie, and uh, I was trying to hold... Like diabetic shock. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, was, it was actually... Yeah, that's the negative one. Uh, it was actually the... Uh, I, my hands were shaking. Oh. I actually, actually, I was at, literally like popcorn was shaking out of my refilled bucket. Oh, wow. I was so... You just hopped up? I was so sugar-jazzed. <laughs> I was like, I, th- I think I got to stop this. You know feeling like what's that actor leland orson he's the one in you know he's a he's the little little guy who always plays the 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 character is just about to lose it i'm about to lose it you know and i (laughs) wow i was totally there you 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 were the role right there yeah smack dab yes siri bob that's me Margot Robbie's company has acquired the rights to tank girl she can acquire the rights to me The Mad Max-esque post-apocalyptic 90s cult favorite <laughs> and the in-development film seems to have acquired a director, uh, Miles Joris Perafit, who directed Robbie earlier in this year in Dreamland. Perafit. 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 Has, uh, so they so come in Paris. Perafit's been hired uh, for Tank Girl. While the film doesn't yet have a script, it's being developed for Robbie to star in. Uh, before uh, before Robbie uh. is Tank Girl, fans will be able to see her as Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey and James Gunn's upcoming Suicide Squad film. The former is scheduled for February seventh, twenty twenty. Apple Arcade is set to arrive beginning September nineteenth. The company announced, as it touted a long teased platform that is quote the first of its kind, debuting with more than 100 titles in an all-you-can-play package for a single monthly price. The ad-free arcade service will allow gamers to play titles while connected to the internet or as downloads for offline play. Hmm. The arcade will also embrace the full ecosystem of Apple devices, meaning that players can expect cross-platform continuity, whether playing on iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple TV. Monthly pricing for arcade is set at $4.99 a month, and comes with family access for up to six separate family profiles on a single subscription account. I feel like this should be in news you don't give a shit about. Yeah. It is for me. As it already does with Apple Music Service, Apple is also offering a one-month free trial before committing customers to subscribe. 
Apple unveiled its launch plans for Arcade alongside a host of familiar gaming partners rolling out publishers like Konami, Skybound, Disney, Sega, and more as participants in the lineup of games titles that will be available from launch day. Many of the games available on Arcade will be adaptations of existing well-known titles. Alongside games exclusively in development for Arcade, among the confirmed gaming exclusives is Frogger in Toy Town, a new take on the arcade classic. There were two other titles, but I didn't even know what they were. That's the only one I'm like, okay, at least I know what a Frogger is. Yeah. I stand by my original statement. Cinema wins. Cinema wins. Cinema sins. Cinema wins. That makes all the sense. That makes much more sense. Doesn't it? It makes sense. Cinema sin. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I couldn't find it. I literally, in my search, every time I'd hit Cinema Sins, trying to find uh, related channels, all that would come up is all of the the subcategories that Cinema Sins does, like what's wrong with and... That's because Google is... How it's made. Yeah. Well, could be. Uh, Yeah. I just went to my YouTube history. Ah, oh, of course. Because <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, for you. Hey, Kit, and that's where I find my pl- uh, naked uh, crane games <laughs> channel. <laughs> naked? Yeah. Play the crane games yes. naked. Plush time sins. Absolutely. Whoa. <laughs> that is that's some fun right there. I I, I would not want to watch that channel. <laughs> Come on, kid. Hi, everybody. It's, 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 as if her voice isn't high, squeaky and high enough as it is. <laughs> Enlisting the help of Yoda, Spider-Man, Elsa, and more, Disney has just brought back its Disney Bedtime Hotline. <laughs> <laughs> a toll-free way to hear a good night from favorite characters. <laughs> So, uh, uh, what are you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) Me, I've got the red shorts with the big white buttons. (laughs) Put your mom back on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Go to sleep, Jimmy. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm breaking it up. (laughs) Now I'm just imagining Goofy shoving Sharon Stone's head into his crutch. (laughs) (laughs) What? Casino, casino. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh! He, that's right. He there did a callback. Yeah, yeah, no, in, I, in, 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 in. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm you. The have, biz, that's you call a callback. Yeah, that's in the biz. <laughs> I was gonna say, you see him on. <laughs> Aimed at kids, but anyone can call. The hotline is returning for a limited time after first debuting last year. <laughs> that just made it worse. With a dial-a-buddy bedtime message. <laughs> Oh, it's just getting worse and worse from here. This messaging service <laughs> that featured the essentials, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, and Goofy. Uh, this time out, Disney's reaching deeper into its franchise roster. Calling, call the hotline at one eight seven 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 mickey It presents you with a menu where you can number select from a number of Disney greetings. Some highlights include Mickey... Who tells you about his day at the dog park, reminds you to brush your teeth, yawns sleepily, and then sends you off with a swell sounding, I hope you had some real fun, fun dreams. Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, seriously, who thought? Well, it, it's it, free. It's, it's really, free marketing. Really, it's, it is all about marketing because it's... At we're, least we're three people. We're making it worse than it is. <laughs> it's, it's so goddamn innocent. 
Well, <laughs> not on their side, but <laughs> if it's the mouse, it's far yeah. from innocent. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man, who recounts the web-slinger's busy day of saving the neighborhood before confessing that, quote, sometimes it takes a lot out of me, so I got to get some sleep. You probably should too. <laughs> Unquote. Oh, oh, my web shooter's about to... I got a Peter tingle. I got a Peter tingle. Please, <laughs> please stop calling it that. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Toy Story's Woody. <laughs> Okay, now you're just making shit up, Todd. It's here, I swear. <laughs> Explaining that everything in your bedroom has to... <laughs> yeah. There's a snake in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a snake. Would he explain that everything in your bedroom has to look just right in case body... <laughs> body peeks her head in? <laughs> <laughs> you did yeah. this to yourself. You realize this, right? I only used to have to worry about this shit with Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Really? You, you had I no put, idea no, what you were in for when, when you I were... put it in there, this is a nice, sweet story that some of the shock monkeys can call. <laughs> this is and, your sweet and, story. And get a good night. I call <laughs> bullshit on that. <laughs> I'm such a naive person. Yoda. Podcast grouse. your audience, Torgo. Podcast <laughs> to your audience. <laughs> Grousing dead. Adventure. Hmph. And excitement. Hmph. The sage Jedi master states that the day draws to close for a young Padawan, advising you to close your eyes and reach out with your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can, quote, feel the force surround you. Like a blanket it is, unquote. <laughs> oh, I want Mark Hamill doing Luke with the, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Yes, yes, I do. Do you feel that? Yeah, that's the fourth. It's the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> that's the force inside you. Do you feel it? <laughs> if you call the hotline, you can bypass a lengthy marketing menu and skip straight to the bedtime stuff by pressing two <laughs> as soon as the line picks up. The service is available only through the end of the month, meaning you got about two weeks to do this. All right, who's who's calling first? Who's calling here? <laughs> Come on, one of you. Oh, I'll, I'll probably call it tonight. That's oh, god, too fun. Get the mouse. It was great. I feel better now. Was it good for you too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warner Animation Group is set to develop an animated feature based on Funko collectibles. The deal will further strengthen the relationship between Warner Brothers and the toy maker, who've had a re merchandising relationship that dates back two decades. Whoop. The Oscar nominated animator Teddy Newton in 2010's The Best Short Film Animated for Disney Pixar's Day and Night will be in charge of the overall storyline, while animation veteran Mark Dindle will direct. While details are still scarce, rumors about a Funko-based animated film started back in January, which hinted that the film could center on the Funko Pop figures. There are also rumors that characters ranging from Darth Vader to Deadpool, Harley Quinn to Hellboy, and even the ponies from My Little Pony would be making an appearance. Now, none of that has been confirmed at this point. But a Funko movie does have huge crossover potential. Um, I don't 
know what to think about that. But then again, I said the same thing about the Lego movie yeah, when it was in the works. That's so. what really has broken all this apart. Yeah. So. Uh, if it's done well. Right, yeah. I mean, the the pedigree behind it. Right. Chaddy Newton, Mark Dindall. They know I don't know. I'm pretty pissed at him after what he said about Hillary and, you know, he could suck on his oh, AR-15. Bobby, that's Bobby Jindal. Oh. <clears throat> Ted Nugent. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know what? The Legos, they look cool, but they're really... So you stop on them at night? They're ri- Yeah, I know. Oh, they hurt. Is it, it, the only like thing worse is, is a D4. Uh, no, a landmine. Uh, <laughs> uh, D4 goddamn Caltrops. Yeah. They're 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 very well written. I mean, those scripts are really clever. And if Funko can do that, I would. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's any secret to anybody, but I'd go see a Funko movie. But the color me surprised. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it it uh you know to take the Jeffism, it has to be done well. <laughs> but if they get a clever script, if they do write it like uh, the Lego bunch. Then yeah, I could see that working. I was surprised. I remember watching the Lego movie and just being like, "This is, this is actually kind of smart and it's funny." Yeah. Wasn't wow. a Lego a Warner joint? I believe so. Yeah. So they obviously know about the crossover okay. aspect. So <clears throat> if they if they if they do that, then yeah. And Funko is is right there next to Lego in terms of a something or other. That has tons of. I mean, it. The success I think behind it is because it doesn't do exclusives. Everybody's in there, right? The director of Stephen King's It films, Andy Muschietti, and producer Barbara Muschietti, are developing another project from the master of horror. Only this story isn't a horror story. The film will be an adaptation of the novel Roadwork, which was published in 1981 under King's pen name Richard Bachman. During an interview with Radio Cantillo... Turner Overdrive. Uh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Barbara Muschietti said... We hope We're taking st- care of business. We hope to start right. shooting at the beginning of next year. It's a Stephen King story, but it's not horror. It's a fantastic script, unquote. She went on to reveal that the film is being directed by Pablo Trapero. Here's the description from the book. Barton Dawes' unremarkable but comfortable existence suddenly takes a turn for the worst. Highway construction puts him out of work and simultaneously forces him out of his home. Dawes isn't the sort of man who... Don't panic! Dawes is the sort of man who will take an insult of this magnitude lying down. Wait a minute. Okay, now come on. (laughs) What the hell? This sounds awfully familiar. His single-minded determination to fight the inevitable course of progress drives his wife and friends away while he tries facing down the uncaring bureaucracy that has destroyed his once comfortable life. There you go. Man. King should be ashamed of himself. Just ripping off Pratchett like that. Or is it Adams? It's Adams. It's Adams, yeah. Uh, Adams ripping off. So it is the beginning of Hitchhiker's Guide, but if... He stayed in the mud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully a little longer than that would have played out, but yeah. (laughs) Just lie down in front of that bulldozer. Wow. Telltale Games assets, 
including projects the studio had in the works at the time of its 2018 shuttering, have been bought by LCG Entertainment, <laughs> a company that plans to re-release a curated selection of popular Telltale titles, oh, shuttering. as well as restart work on some games that fans had feared would never be made. Oh no. One franchise that won't be returning to Telltale is The Walking Dead. Aww. Robert Kirkman's Skybound Games acquired Telltale's game license in order to rescue the final season, which still had two unfinished episodes in development at the time of Telltale's closure. But the other big names in Telltale's critically acclaimed back catalog, including Batman, The Wolf Among Us, and more, are set to receive either re-releases or entirely new games. The future of other mega-franchises that received or were slated for the episodic Telltale treatment still isn't clear, including games set in the world of Borderlands, Game of Thrones, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Minecraft. Telltale also had a pair of Stranger Things games in the planning stages at the time of its shutdown. An LG, uh, LCG representative told Polygon that the rights for Stranger Things have since reverted back to Netflix, adding that the company has faith in fans' continued appetite for more games that unfold one episode at a time. The, Sh- okay. the Shining Sorry. is currently being developed for Broadway as a stage play by <laughs> Simon Stevens who most recently directed the revival of West Side Story. The play will premiere in London's West End before heading to Broadway. King has actually always wanted to see The Shining hit the stage, and in 2014... Musical, musical you said, right? No, this is a stage play, not a okay. musical. <laughs> not a musical. Honey! Although, I would back a musical Honey. in a heartbeat. I would Here's back a musical Johnny. as well. <laughs> Here's, Here's Johnny. Johnny. There is, there is so much potential. Oh, yeah. Well, Absolutely. Can, and especially after the West Side Story, seeing the twin girls going down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blood in an elevator. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Where's Lin-Manuel? <laughs> it, it actually, well, I mean, it makes sense because it's... He was a caretaker with a son <laughs> and a wife. Yeah, the uh, the staging. I mean, the 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 stage. It, you're, you're it's just a hotel. You got to do a lot of jimmying around, but um, it's yeah. That actually makes that actually. Yeah. I want a musical now. God damn. See, yeah. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> and at first you were not, and then red you know. rum, red <laughs> rum. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And and some something mm. dealing with the click 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 of a typewriter. I shine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All work and no play <laughs> makes Jack. <laughs> there you go. And somebody, you got to get that that Scatman Crothers salute. Oh geez, yeah. God damn, it's cold out here. God damn, <laughs> there's an X in my chest. <laughs> All the canned food you can eat. (laughs) King has always wanted to see The Shining hit the stage, and in 2014, after he permitted a pair of playwrights to turn it into a play, there were two Shining stage productions that got developed. In 2014, a local Omaha theater staged the story, and in 2016, an opera was made, and it debuted in St. Paul, Minnesota. Both productions were met with positive reviews, but never made it to Broadway. Uh, but this one, since it has that pedigree behind it with uh, Simon Stevens, it's probably going to make it. I got Shining Opera. <laughs> another great crossover idea, guys. The Shining Opera, but Klingon Opera. Interesting. 
Interesting. You know, it, I one of my favorite little robot chicken skits was the the Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, done as a Italian opera, and like they do all the lines in Italian with the subtitles. It was hilarious, but also brilliant because they had the music and everything in there, and they had uh, the the Italian lead doing Shatner. And it was just perfect. I, I would love to see that stretched out into a, a much bigger skit. But uh, it just made me think of that. I like my idea better. <laughs> and finally... It was a side note. It wasn't... <laughs> your, I wasn't disparaging your idea, Kay. Why do you always think I'm against you? <laughs> Everything's a competition. It's the Klingon way. Machika. Akiva Goldsman is teaming up with Tom Hanks at Paramount Pictures for a film version of Mattel's Major Matt Mason, a popular toy line from the 1960s. Goldman will write the script based on a story by award-winning author Michael Chabon. First launched in 1966, the Matt Mason toys were a hallmark of the space age, a time in the 20th century when the United States was locked in a race with the Soviet Union to reach the moon. Major Matt Mason was already living on the moon, Facing the dangers of outer space with his companions, Sergeant Storm and Captain Laser. There, um, I never realized it. I inherited a lot of my 12-inch G.I. Joe stuff from my brother. And um, when I, um, I'm actually a member of the Matt Mason, uh, is it Matt Mason? Or is that Captain Action? Captain Action. Never mind. Let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Mason, though, the moon thing, it did have like the funky, remember the funky spacesuit that was sort of like a capsule with arms and legs? That was that was one of the uh, one of the bits for its uh, its moon its moonscape stuff. That was before my was, time. Yeah. You'd always see it advertised in the back of old comics. Uh, I never had that, but it was funny because that was like a an early preliminary uh, uh, design uh, proposal for like for like a, I think it was for a moon suit for the astronauts to walk on the moon, which is really funny. What you don't realize out there, shock monkeys, is before me happened just a very very small stage play between Commander K and Eighties Jeff, because Com- Commander K was recounting the story, and Jeff goes. Before my time, and goes right to his phone and starts flipping through things and pretty much ignoring the rest. And I'm like, that is how twenty somethings think of us in the eighties. <laughs> no, but look what I look. But look what I looked up on my phone. Yeah, you're looking up Matt Mason. I get it. But just seeing that happen, I'm like, oh yeah, I recognize this happen all there the time. And I was playing with the cat. Yeah, <laughs> fucking kids nowadays. Well, he started talking about a capsule with an arms and legs, and I was intrigued to see what that actually looked like. Yeah, it's it's uh <laughs> it's it's like a tank like uh, and I don't mean armored vehicle tank. I mean like a well, he's got a little sky cycle like a Birdman sky cycle. The sky cycle, yeah. The, uh, he had, uh, the Gordon's moon, alive! The, the moon uh, rover with the uh, four-peg, the oh, four-spoke okay. uh, uh, wheel. But the, 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 the thingy bob should be there somewhere. And then there's, there's the, the moon base. And yeah, I mean, a whole moon base. Moon base. That, that was some really cool shit there. They had a talking Matt Mason. What? What's your talking, Matt Mason? Write to us, comments at uglycowshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek.
Well, come pretty, on. Pretty interesting toy line. Why the fuck you is that I picture coming I need to go to, uh, what's the place on Boulder Highway there? Bob's Toys? Bill's Toys? Oh, yeah. Bob's yeah, they, Toys? I think it's Bob's. It's been a while. I but a great go. toy shop. No, I need Absolutely. to go over there now because now I need to see what they got. Maybe they got a couple of those. Probably not. Uh, if anybody in town has them, it's probably them. Probably even more so than Rogue Toys. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Bob's Toys is at least, you know, you can barter there. It's got decent prices. Rogue Toys is like, sticker price, shut up, get out of my shop. <laughs> yeah, I Rogue Toys, yeah. No, I think what? it's a good shop. It's a good shop, but yeah, but he's, he's not, not wrong. You're not going to find deals. He's not there to sell cheap. Well, And if you go to Rogue Toys, don't go to the one in Neonopolis because their prices are even skewed higher than the regular. Sure, there's two other shops in town. Yeah, go those, go to them. Those are the ones that you'll find a more reasonable price at. But yeah, the that that Neonopolis store is just way overpriced. Like way marked up. Now, it's cool now, walking it, around in there looking at the stuff. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. No, no, wait, 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 wait. I that's not a rogue toy. No, that's I'm sorry. That's um That's Toy uh, Shack. Toy Shack. Yeah. You're at right. The toy that's my Shack. Fault. Yeah, Toy Shack is Sh- a really t- nice place. Toy Shack too. has an amazing selection at amazingly marked up prices. Yes. Ever since they uh, made it on what was it? The Pawn Stars where the fuck yes. it is. Yeah. Yeah. They went crazy with their prices, but yeah. Rogue actually, yeah, now that I think about it, Rogue actually their prices aren't too bad, but they don't they don't barter. Well, dude, when when you hit the big time, you got to join the big leagues. Oh, Welcome oh, to the, the big time. The big time. Let me call You're a buddy of mine. A uh, shit, do you know anybody that has a toy shop? All right, hold on. Let me. And they got fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? I don't know, Matt. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're in the this, big leagues. This, this <laughs> burn was dog going dog somewhere dog. until uh, until uh, uh, Torgo sneeze farted. Snarted. Snarted. Snart. I'm, I'm into big leagues, too. I want to hear that. You're not. You're not getting rid of that, right? You're keeping. I'm that keeping in. it in. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, that's in there. That's like that's like my. Uh, well, see now, Matt. That's you're like gonna... my my uh, my sneeze scream I did years ago. That that reminds me of the um, my sneeze scream. No, the crimson uh, crimson dynamo kind of suit or something. Oh, the, the the moon suit. Yeah, the <clears throat> '60s Spider-Man crimson dynamo. '60s Spider-Man. Not cr- sorry. It's the robot that J. Jonas Jameson takes control of and tries to kill Spider-Man or attack oh, okay. him or whatever. That, that one. Oh, the uh, uh, Spider Slayer. Yeah. It? I think. Not Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, Crimson Dynamo was a Russian who fought yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. 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 Who the hell? What are you doing with your mic? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, what was that? That was it weird. It sounded like this the little... mic was rubbing one out. <laughs> like you almost... What's your rub out? <laughs> write to us. Don't, don't, don't write. Don't, write. Don't, write. <laughs> don't, write don't open that door. Don't open that door. Jake? Yeah. I'll tear your soul apart. I, used, I sometimes did, uh, we have such sights to show you, but nobody got it, and it always creeped them out, so I had to stop. <laughs> Uh, Wipe your nose. Wipe your nose.